Today's episode of the BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you, as always, by ZipRecruiter, our 2018 presenting sponsor, Talent Matters. Whether you're on the court, in the courtroom, or even in a podcast studio, nobody knows that better than ZipRecruiter. They develop powerful matching technology for hiring. You no longer have to wait for the right candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. It's the smartest way to hire. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash BS. Meanwhile, SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, all you have to do is use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Don't forget about the Ringer NFL show this week. Shows almost every day, I think. Breaking down what happened last weekend, breaking down what's coming up this weekend. Kevin Clark and Robert Mays hosting one of them, GM Street with Mike Lombardi and Tay Frazier. And then Bachelor Party with Juliet Littman. We put them up on Monday nights right after The Bachelor. A special one this week, my old friend Dave Jacoby. My current friend Dave Jacoby. My old Grantland comrade Dave Jacoby, who used to do a pod with Juliet called The Right Reasons. And now... They reunited on Monday night. It's up there. It's on the Bachelor Party podcast. Juliet cried twice, which I think is hilarious. Cried just for, for pure joy of doing a podcast with Jacoby, who she sees all the time anyway. But uh, if you want to hear that, you can find it on Apple and wherever else you get your podcast. Coming up, another old Grantland friend, my man Zach Lowe. But first, Pearl Jam. All right. On Tuesday, I did Zach Lowe's podcast, The Low Post, and we talked about the Eastern Conference All-Stars as well as the Clippers-Rockets fight and a couple other things like who's the MVP leader, things like that. Now, he is on my podcast and we are doing the Western Conference. But first, Zach, the fallout from yesterday's podcast, who is the angriest? Milwaukee Bucks fans continue to lead the league in anger. Wow. Just, just lots of anger. Where was Chris Middleton? Who was on my list? He, was on, he is on my Chris list. Chris Middleton. I'm, I'm, he's, he's Stop at, it. Compare Chris Middleton's numbers to Paul George's numbers. I'm just saying. Just just do it as a thought exercise. But they okay. are, they, are they, I don't know what happened in Milwaukee. Like 18 months ago, they crossed the line from like, we're just so happy to have Giannis on our team. This is amazing. To We hate everyone. We hate everything. Our whole, we hate you. We hate our team. We hate our coach. We hate everyone. But it's just a lot of anger. I follow Ben Thompson from Stratechery. He has two accounts. One is which called at No Tech Ben, which is basically just him complaining about the Bucks. And I had no idea Bucks Twitter was was such a dark place. It really is dark. And they're so mad at Jason Kidd. They're angry at everyone. It probably stems from this is just a guess, but an entire century of losing. And then <laughs> also getting completely robbed in the 2001 playoffs against Philly. Maybe the combo of that. And then Jason Kidd doing stuff like, you know, what was the four point thing he did when he was up four? What'd they do? They fouled. What was that crazy thing he did this year? I honestly, it was one of those math conundrums that was so crazy that I felt like, <laughs> wait, am I, am I being stupid? No, I'm not. I just went through like a, a whirlpool of confusion. Right. Yeah. Um, Poor Milwaukee. I mean, they did, they were worried they were going to lose their team. 
And now the team's staying, so that there's that big side. They have the number one guy you would want under 30, I think. There's a Davis versus Giannis argument we can have, but Giannis is younger. And uh, and I think they should be a little happier. And by the way, Chris Middleton is not an all-star. Uh, uh, well, you just, just, you're, by the way, they should be a little happier, by the way, smack in the face to Milwaukee, but just dismissive smack in the face. He's not an all-star. We, who watches Bucks games and goes, wow, Chris Middleton, one of the best 24 guys in the, in the world. All right. Western all-stars, four locks and one non-lock. And I think it's safe to say the four locks are actually, no, I'm, I'm going to say three locks. My bad. The three locks are James Harden. Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis. And there are two arguments left to be That's had. It? Well, one is Curry versus Westbrook, which a conversation we have to have. We're, we're just talking, oh, we're just talking about starters. Starters. Okay. And then the other argument is who is the third front court guy in the West? Um, so before we do that, how many locks did you have for the, for the entire team? Cause I had 10. I, I'm, I would say 8.5. 8.5. Yeah. Okay, let's do the, uh, I think all these starters are locks. Here are mine. Okay. Harden, Curry, Durant, Davis, LaMarcus Aldridge. We're four out of five similar. Okay, what do we disagree on? So I've always been the guy who's like availability matters for All-Star, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I left them beat off last year. You know, once you miss 10, 12 games and it's close with other guys, I, I got to hit you a little bit. Yep. So I, I can't, I can't just slot Steph Curry in as a starter. I can't do it. So the, all I can do is put him in as a backup. And all the fans of other teams whose guys have been screwed before, but not whose guys I haven't picked before because of availability, say, well, how can you even have Curry on the team? This is a two-time MVP who's the best offensive player in the league and the total identity of the best team that we might see in our lifetimes, or certainly of a four over a four years. So the rules are different for him, but. With another strong guard candidate that I think deserves recognition, I just, you know, just token you get to be a reserve on Zach Lowe's All-Stars this year for Steph Curry. So I put Jimmy Butler in the starting lineup. Oh, I thought you were going to say Lou Williams. I got excited for a second. No. There's been some Lou Williams All-Star buzz. It's it's really delightful. Uh, I get it. Look, I'm not going to argue you wrong. For me, it's like Curry is a transcendent player. I can't fault him because he sprained his ankle. If this was all NBA and he missed 30 games, it's a different conversation. He's so good when he's out there. And I think he has been 98% as good as he was to, uh, in the 2016, the, the crazy MVP year he had. Oh, he, he's been, he's been ri just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The stats are basically the same. In 2016, he was a 35 and seven. This year he's a 28, five and seven. In 16, he was 50, 45, 90 club, which he, I think he might've created, right? Did I, nobody had done the 50, 45, 90 club. I, he, I don't think that's happened before. This year he's 49, 41, 92. He's shooting one less three a game. He's basically the same guy. And his, his ceiling for a typical Steph Curry hot game is as high as anyone's ceiling. And I think when you're talking about who can just kick somebody's ass in a game? It's about, what, eight, nine guys, and he's way at the top. And Anthony Davis, as we saw last night in Boston, is also in that conversation. But we have more guys who can just go in and destroy somebody's team, guys, this year than we've had in a long time. 
Curry, look, I, it, ultimately, who cares, right? Jimmy Butler, Curry, whatever. You want to start Curry, fine. I just feel like for my own internal consistency, I need to ding him a little bit. But the guy, like, I, 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 I wrote this even when he was, he was quote-unquote, slumping. It was, like, at 37% from three and yeah. was, was saying, I got to get above 40. When he got hurt, I wrote a KD or Steph kind of column. And it just, it was, like, even when he wasn't making threes at his normal rate, the increase in free throw attempts, the increased comfort, even even over how he had where he was before driving to the rim and drawing contact and finishing. He just looked like a guy who was like, I'm in complete command of every aspect of the game at yeah. all times. You know, I agree. And look, we talked about this yesterday on your podcast. I gravitate toward the best teams, especially in the pedigree and the things like that. Jimmy Butler, I think, is the other guy for this. Now, we're, we can have a whole Westbrook conversation a little bit later. But what Butler's done on both ends and how he kind of rested control of that team quietly and slowly. by And then by this month, it was his team. But I went to a Clippers-Wolves game last month, and it was clear they were still kind of battling with the whole thing. And it was clear he was really frustrated with Towns and just frustrated in general with they they weren't collectively playing the way he wanted to play. And now it feels like it's his team. Um, the two-way stuff and the intensity and the competitiveness and the leadership has been really cool. And I got to say, that's one of my favorite trades in a long time. That felt like a really one-sided trade last June. But the fact that Chris Dunn has turned into at least a, a half-decent starter, and then marketing has been a way better pick than I expected. And now Levine's back. Hopefully they're not going to give him 150 million bucks, but that was a really good trade. I like that trade for both teams. Where do you stand on that one? I I, I don't think it's possible really to argue any other way. And, and really the interesting part is going to be two years from now or a year and a half from now, whenever it is about, you know, what, what does Jimmy Butler want to do and how much money does it take to get him to stay in Minnesota? It'll take the max, I'm sure. And how many years and how does he age over that contract? Because that was the downside risk for them. And we ha- also, we haven't seen Patton play, the kid they got with 16, which was yep. the piece of that trade that everyone was like, why did why did the Bulls give up like another thing? So there's sort of a TBD on that. But yeah, I think I think I love marketing. Dunn's been really good. And, uh, you know, Levine is just coming back. So it's, it's a fun trade. You don't follow college, really. You've made, you made a conscious decision to be pro only. So marketing, you went in kind of blind. Whereas I think some people who had thoughts on him in college and then he it was one way or the other. I thought, I didn't think he was going to make it. I'm happily going to admit I was wrong on that. It just felt like, I just didn't see it. It felt like maybe a Kelly Olenek type career to me. Um, he's been way better. What's your take just watching him? I, I like um, he can he first of all like if you're going to be a stretch big, you got to be able to like you can't be one of these Ilya Sova Myers Leonard. I need like four seconds to get my shot off. Mm. You got and he's got the snap release. He doesn't need a lot of space, but the he can do more stuff off the dribble than we thought. He can even kind of post up smaller guys if you switch on him and not and look like semi comfortable. But the the overall is just like he plays with like. A, an arrogance and a swagger and a confidence that, yeah. that is really cool for a, for a rookie. And particularly like, you know, you get all the, oh, another soft Euro big is what the stereotype is, which is of course stupid, but it, it's, he, he's like a little nasty. I yeah. like it. Yeah. He's not soft. He, the two most underrated, well, Dragic is the most underrated, nasty guy we've had in like five, six years. I think he's been in like 20 altercations in the last seven years. Four and, of them with four of them with Vujicic. He, right. He had a whole feud with Vujicic. Uh, Vujicic. How do I say that one? Vujicic. 
at some point in life, you're going to teach me how to pronounce the Croatian and the Serbian names. It's going to happen. I'll do my best. The Bulls Knicks series this year, um, not quite worthy of a 30 for 30, but definitely the most underrated league pass rivalry. And marketing versus Porzingis was kind of a thing. It was really fun to watch them go at it. I enjoyed it. That was a really fun trade. I'm really happy for Butler because I think he was super unhappy last year. I think he's an important guy. I don't think he's one of the five best players in the league, but he's probably in the top 12 or 13. And it's nice to see him back up the whole, I want to be on a good team. I want to be the best guy on a team that can contend for the title and actually do it. They're 29 and 16. We talked yesterday, the on-court, off-court, we're not going to get too caught up in that and and five-man lineups, all that stuff, because the sample size isn't great. But when he plays, they're plus nine. When he doesn't play, they're minus eight, eight point one. That seems significant. It's hard to argue that that's not something. Uh, Harden, we both have on, even though he's missed eight or nine games. And you had him yesterday. You said he was the MVP. So which, far, so far. Don't, I don't feel particularly super early. strongly about it, and haven't devoted all that much thought to the MVP quite yet. Thirty-two, nine, and five is pretty crazy. Here's one thing that I noticed. He is averaging over 10 threes a game, and he's averaging over 10 free throws a game. 10.6 threes, 10.5 free throws. Now, needless to say, that's never happened before the 10-10 club. Can you imagine? Even five years ago, I wouldn't have imagined that was conceivable. The 10-10 club sounds like a, an establishment that may have hung a banner to, for in James Harden's honor <laughs> recently. <laughs> Yeah, he just like he left the ten ten club at five thirty in the morning last night. Uh, yeah, he's he's been amazing. And then I looked up his stats since the OKC trade, which if you go on, oh boy, here we go. No, 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 no. I'm just gonna say, somebody on YouTube posted a shitload of Grantland videos and podcasts under the username Sil Bimmons. I have no idea who this human being is. Um including like basically every podcast I did for ESPN. One of those podcasts, which a reader forwarded to me, is the podcast you and I did after the Harden trade, which was right after you started working for Grantland. Yep. And let's just say that we were dead on in that podcast. Let's just say that we went all in on one of two angles and we were, and as usual, history has proven us correct. Anytime we go all in on something major, major, for the most part, we've we've had pretty good success rate. But James Harden, since that trade, 28-6-8, 44-37-86 percentages. And he's averaged since that trade 10.2 free throws a game. I don't think people understand how hard it is to average 10 free throws a game, how much contact that is, how, how hard that is on your body. Like Durant... I think had one or two years where he was over 10. Now he's comfortably in the six, seven range because it's hard to get fouled that many times a game and it's hard to shoot 900 free throws in a season. But I think there's a real conversation now where Harden versus Wade and, you know, who's the fourth best shooting guard ever. I think that's, I think the door is open now. James Harden's only 28. Yeah, let's give it some time, but I mean, he's on pace to be, I mean, Wade was an impactful defensive player until his knees really started to True. give out. And Harden never has been, and it looks like never will be. Um, but yeah, I mean, offensively, he he is going to do 
things that we just haven't seen before in the NBA. And he's, if he does this for four more years, I mean, the career numbers are going to start to get ridiculous. I'm stunned that he's only 28. It feels like we've known him forever, but it makes sense when you think about it. He came in early in OKC and from almost from the get-go, they were relevant. And it just feels like he's been in our life for 10 years because he has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that he's only 28 and has so much more room, um, especially in that are the, team. MJ, Kobe, Wade are the top three? MJ, Kobe, Jerry West. I was going to say, Jerry West, no one knows quite quite where to, like, he was kind of a hybrid one, two, and always, yeah. I've always said this, always overlooked in the greatest Laker ever discussion. Just, was, doesn't, just doesn't get enough love. I thought that Kobe night, which was a travesty for a variety of reasons, but Magic... Magic saying that Kobe was the greatest Laker ever when Magic was the greatest Laker ever, first of all. But then Jerry West, West is just never mentioned in these things anymore because he played too long ago. People just know him as kind of the gruff GM, but it's too bad. Uh, Durant. By the way, can, can I just say something about the Lakers? Yeah. So Jeannie Buss tweets over the weekend in Luke We Trust. Uh Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And well, great, great. Uh, Lakers really coming on strong, snuffing out all this noise about Fizdale and the the ball idiots and blah, blah, yeah. blah. How about more than a tweet? Like, when did a tweet, like, how about Magic Johnson says something? How about, uh, the, I just, I feel like we've it reached the point, particularly when the Fizdale stuff came out, that like, a tweet, a tweet isn't enough. Like, come out and say something. I, I Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe she, she is the boss, so maybe the tweet is all that's necessary. But I kind of feel like the, the, the situation reached a point where someone actually needed to get in front of a microphone and say words. Within 24 hours of when, it, put it this way, like, if the idiot father of, one of the younger writers we had at the ringer um, came out and said, the whole ringer staff hates Sean Fennessy. And, you know, somebody from ESPN had a microphone in his face and it turned into an actual story. I would say something within 24 hours, like Sean Fennessy's my guy. I'm not getting rid of Sean Fennessy. Everybody can go to hell. The Lakers did nothing for like a week, which made me think maybe he said that for a reason. And it's not like Alonzo really defended him either. And by the way, not, it's not like Luke Walton's been that great as the Lakers coach. Kuzma was the only guy. Kuzma yeah. was the only guy. The real best rookie on the Lakers was the only guy. to Anyway, we've gotten sidetracked yeah, yeah, because God side knows there are not going to be any Lakers in the All-Star game. So let's <laughs> right. continue. Uh, Durant. Best two-way season he's had. He's had better uh, offensive seasons. He's been efficient. The efficiency is is where it was in the MVP season. Even though he's taking less shots, he gets to the free throw line less. The fact that he's leading the league in blocks is the is single he, craziest stat of the year, right? I think he got passed. I think oh, he's he like, did? I think he's like third now. I, I want to oh. say Porzingis is now back in first. Oh. Um, but, but regardless, it's it's by, you know, a tenth of a block or something. Right. You know, it's, 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 so um, he's been great. And I don't know, man, You you watch him on this team. And how much fun they have playing together and the kind of ceiling that that team has. And uh, I don't know. I get both sides of it. I get the whole side of you You quit on OKC. You guys came so you guys came so close and then you joined the competitor. But I also get the side of he completely changed his life. He moved to this new, you know, this new area. He's in, involved in Silicon Valley in a bunch of different ways. He's a businessman. He wants to own a team someday and he's getting to play in the you know, probably the best basketball team in, of the last 20 years. And uh, I don't know. I, I Put it this way. I don't think he would redo that decision. Davis, 
who just put up back to back 45 and 15s. Yep. And they ran some list that the other six guys who did it are basically six of the greatest 25 players of all time. Um, they're on off court. It, they, they suck anytime he's not on the court. It feels like he has another level to go and maybe we're starting to see it. And I, I wonder like, uh, you know, there was a lot of Giannis love. There's a lot of love of the Warriors, a lot of Cavs talk. Nobody really talking about New Orleans at all. Davis, we started to wonder, is this guy ever going to be able to stay in the court? And now it seems like he's gone up a notch. What are you seeing? I Look, I, I remember a year ago, a year and a half ago, Cat versus Davis became a debate. And yep. I remember t- t- telling a Haralibus, you know, I, I'm sticking on AD. Like it, be- it became, Cat was probably the more popular choice. I remember arguing with Thorpe about this on a podcast. Like I'm sticking with AD. And yeah. I, I wrote this in a piece for Grantland back in the day. It was called Building the Browns. Like the, the guy's ceiling is best player in the league and one of the best players ever in the history of the NBA. And I still... I still think that. And uh, uh, so, I mean, I, I do think he has more levels to get to. Like he used to be able to dribble zero times than once. Now it's two or three times. Like when does right. three, when does his three become a reliable shot? Um, defensively, you know, when he tries hard, he's really good, but can still, still get even better. Like I just, the guy is ridiculous. And you're right. Like the one consistent all year is that They've been really good when he's been on the floor. Although I will say over the last six weeks or so, the Cousins, no Davis lineups have started to to be positive slightly, at least. They they were a disaster for the first month and a half of the season. Yeah, they played the Celts last night. And it is like Davis comes out. It's like, oh, thank God Davis is coming out. It's like, oh, Cousins is still out there. Like they, it, it is the classic James Harden and Chris Paul, same way. Durant Curry, the same way. But Davis defensively, it's weird because in your head you think, Ah, two big guys. You can't do that anymore. Not the league that's too spread out. But they're really not two big guys. Davis kind of plays like a six seven guy who happens to be seven feet, and he is pretty malleable on on defense. And there was a couple moments last night when he was guarding Kyrie. Um, he's such a tough mismatch. He's a good offensive rebounder when he wants to be. I think that's a really dangerous team. I want I want to have like a two minute New Orleans conversation. Because Drew Holiday is playing really well. And I have I have not been a huge Drew Holiday fan over the years because I don't think he can stay in the court. This is the best we've ever seen him. They have three guys who are legit guys who at the end of the game, Boogie can get, they can run a play for Boogie. Davis, he can do anything with. And Drew Holiday can actually create his own shot. And it's one of those teams that even if you play good defense for 20 of the 24 seconds, they can still get a half decent shot in the last four I think they're really tough to play and I don't totally understand why their record isn't better because I feel like the NBA right now, if you have three guys of that caliber, you should be a 50 win team. You just, you can have just average guys in the rest of the roster and still be awesome. And I'm starting to wonder if new Orleans is going to maybe make a little run here. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's interesting also for all-star purposes. Like you just said it. If you have three guys this good, why are you 23 and 20 and around 500 the whole year? Yeah. Um, and, and and it gets you into an interesting place where you want to say, like, yeah, they're supporting cast. Like, everyone was dogging the supporting cast. And, like, Drew Holiday's having a great year. Etuan Moore shooting 45% from three. Like, Dante Con- Darius Miller's been solid. They shot really well last last month in December. All they're of a sudden, of the best, they were, they were way the up best, there. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league so far. Yeah. Um, but then you remember, like, they're getting literally nothing 
from five of their 15 roster players. Yeah. Like literal, literal zeros. Like, and then, and that doesn't even include like Tony Allen. Um, so there, it's kind of like Dante Cunningham, Ian Clark, Darius Miller. Like those guys are deep bench guys on a good team. And there is no deep bench on the Pelicans. It literally does. It might as well be me, you and fantasy. Like it doesn't right. exist. And so the deep bench guys have been elevated to regular bench guys. So I don't know, like, there's the, how good is the Pelicans supporting cast? How much is it outperforming expectations? It's actually an interesting question because it's really just more and holiday. And like Miller's all right for what he is. And Cunningham's all right for what he is. And Clark's all right for what he is. And Rondo is fine, whatever. Their defense is way better when he doesn't play. Like, I don't, you know. It, it, I don't know what to make of their supporting cast. In some ways, it's outperformed expectations. And in, in other ways, you look at the names and you're like, oh, my God. A couple guys have outperformed. But I do think they're a very fascinating buyout possibility team when we get. There's going to be a lot of buyout guys in February this year. They are not far away. They need like two more guys they can count on in a nine-man rotation. But, man, when you watch them and those two dudes are going, that team is a top five most frightening team. Like I really, I think the Celtics are really good. I, I that whole game, they were either clawing back or, or trying to hold them off, and and uh, it just felt like New Orleans could score anytime they want. I Boogie has had the reason I didn't put Boogie in this starting five. I've weirdly watched a lot of Pelicans because I'm just kind of fascinated by them, and I've just seen too many games when he just does the Boogie thing. Right? It's either he's just not trying at all on defense, or he's just kind of poison on the court and just has a bad demeanor and it's kind of there's something kind of infectious in the wrong way about him sometimes and you can feel it and you can see it through the TV and I, and I don't know I uh, I think that team is is kind of the wild card team right now I don't think they're going to win the title but I'm pretty sure I don't want to see them in round one of a series I, I don't think it'll matter if they play the Warriors but let's say they play the three seed let's say New Orleans gets to the six seed I don't want to being a series where the other other team has two all NBA guys, including one of the five best guys, you know, I, I, you know, the, the, the issue with them in terms of adding is that they're right under the tax um, by, I think the tax, what is the tax? 120, 119. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're close. At, they're at 118 and change and they are, and they've traded their last 17 first round picks <laughs> right. or whatever it is. So and, their, and their owner I, is, was just, his family was, Oh, everybody's suing each other and he might be out of it. Who knows? I don't, not even positive who's running, who's running their team now. Well, it's Del, kind Del, of Del, Del Demps, Demps yeah. but then Danny Ferry's advising him. Somebody's advising him. I think Danny Ferry is advising him. I think that's actually a fair representation of the hierarchy. The question <laughs> okay. that everyone else around the league has is to what degree are the Saints people and Mickey Loomis influential? And like, if you talk to the Pelicans, oh, they don't have any power at all. They're not even there. They don't know what the hell's going on. And then, but like teams that talk to them about trades get the impression somehow that those people need to be consulted at least. So right. no one really knows what the hell's going on. Um, Can we say that they have the biggest organizational slash fan base disadvantage right now? Of all the playoff teams, what 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 is the fan base disadvantage? I think their crowd is is it's sad. It's a sad it's a fo- crowd. It's a football. It's a football town, right? It's I a mean, football town. They they seem to have ten to twelve thousand people per game, and uh, I don't know. I don't know it makes me Th- sad. Those 
those uh they need to change the color of the seats in the, the Pistons arena from red to like <laughs> like just put I don't know what the hell What about did. fake bodies? Couldn't they just put I was dummies say, in there? Just just put paint t-shirts on all of them or yeah. something so it looks like there are people. I don't know what, but that that seems like a bad one. Um I haven't I, I was at some games in Denver uh, earlier this year. I, I hope they're picking up there because when I was there, the Warriors were in and half the crowd was Warriors fans and the other two games were kind of dead. That's the secondary market era. I think that's one of the biggest things that changed the last five years is it's so much easier for fans to get tickets when their team comes to town. You know, you see it with, like, with the Clippers more than anything. The Clippers have, you know, they'll barely have a crowd where there's 80% Clipper fans there. There's always, It's always like a mix of stuff. Let's the take Hawk- it. Oh, go ahead. The Hawks are technically last in attendance. I, I just can't imagine that a Suns game is like hopping right now. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to talk about shaving. I've been shaving since college. I've talked about this many times on my podcast. Just did not have enough hair to shave in high school. Maybe once every couple of weeks, but I was kind of forcing it. Started shaving in college and immediately started ravaging my neck. And getting those neck pimples and just cuts and all kinds of terrible stuff. And eventually I found the Gillette Fusion Ultra Sensitive Skin Shaving Gel. And I no longer get those neck sets. Recently, I started using the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield Razor. I ordered it. I got four refillable razors and free shipping. Then every fourth order free because I subscribed. I think you should do that too. And now you can get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. No more getting mad at yourself because you just got back from the grocery store and realized you forgot to buy blades. Subscribe today. Pick your favorite razor. Get every fourth order free. All you have to do is visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com. Gillette, the home of the New England Patriots. Seven straight AFC championship games. Oh yeah, Gillette Stadium, GilletteOnDemand.com. And then don't forget about Bachelor Party. The Ringer Podcast Network. People like The Bachelor. We responded. We spun off Juliet Littman's Bachelor Party podcast into its own feed every Monday night right after the show ends on ABC. We post Juliet's breakdown of the latest episode. And then we run a little extra 20-minute episode, uh, usually Wednesday, Thursday, with Juliet and Ringer staff are talking about stuff. We've had some great guests. Ben Higgins, Dave Jacoby, my wife. A whole bunch of good ones coming up. Tell the Bachelor super fan in your life to subscribe to Bachelor Party and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Art19, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. Back to Zach Lowe. All right. One last spot of uh, of the all-star starters. We both have LaMarcus Aldridge here. I thought that was going to be one of our arguments. I, You know, it, we can talk about who, what other front court player you would choose. I, I know who the names are. Um, I just think on both ends of the ball, he's been really good. Like, just really good, rock-solid, consistent, tries hard on defense, plays hard on defense, is actually good at it, shooting well, you know, playing, passing it unselfishly. And just And the team, it, it's, the team is third in the West. Got to reward him somehow. Without he's, Kawhi. Without Kawhi. And, like, by the way, without Tony Parker for a while, without yeah. Danny Green here and there, you, like, everyone's hurt all the time or resting all the time. He was 23-10 and 10 in 2015. And that seemed kind of like his peak season. He's basically doing that again. He's actually shooting even a little bit better. What's what's uh, the biggest case for me is that that team's winning 
and you watch them in the last five minutes and it's basically Aldridge or sometimes it's Manu. <laughs> like, they don't, it's not like they have a lot of options in a close game other than him that you'd really want to explore. And he's been really consistent. And I think how the Spurs handled that whole thing this summer was pretty instructive, you know, because he clearly asked to out and he was miserable. That and was another thing. For years, there were all these rumors about, not rumors, like you would hear, the Spurs and Aldridge are unhappy with each other. It's been a bad match. Jackie McMullen writes a piece at the beginning of the season essentially saying that or said it on TV yep. or something and the Spurs went crazy. It's like, And then again, just like we talked about the Clippers yesterday, then we find out, oh yeah, it was all true the whole time. Everything yeah. we, we were heard was true was true. Everything that was denied was true. He asked to be traded. Well, and then Popovich comes out. It was pretty rare to hear a coach admit that they botched a relationship that badly. And he's like, yeah, I tried to fit him into what we wanted from him instead of just playing to what he's good at. And now they're playing to what he's good at. And, you know, I think they moved him too far from the rim. Now he's a little closer. Now he gets the ball in the spots he likes. Now, my only red flag here is when Kawhi comes back. Well, that's it. I mean, that's the, what that's happens. It. Is he, Can you still keep him happy now that Kawhi has to have the ball running through him all the time? Well, because that's like I, when Pop said, like, we tried to make him into something he wasn't. He shot 0.83s per game last year. 0.2 the year before, down from 1.5 his last year in Portland. I actually thought they made it a concerted decision when they got him. Everyone assumed he's going to shoot threes now because this is the Spurs, and they did the opposite. They said, we're going to get you closer to the rim. He's up to 1.5 now, so if anything, he's moved back out a little bit. But really, like I don't know what they tried to make him other than clearly the second option behind a top-five player in the NBA, and he was accustomed to being a first option, even with Damian Lillard on the team. So that that's, I think you hit, like, I don't know that they tried to, like, dramatically remake LaMarcus Aldridge, and now they're dramatically remaking him the other, back the other way. I just think it's a matter of, let's maybe, see what happens. Maybe they're just feeding him more. It does seem like he's backing down and doing more of the stuff he did in Portland than he used to. Uh, he's, he's he was a, a more of a stretch the floor guy in a lot of cases from what I remember last year where it was like, wow, it's all right. This is, I guess, where basketball's going. Now, I, there's been games where they've just been like, just overpower whoever. Go ahead, do your thing, LaMarcus. And he's talking a lot. Like it, when, yeah. you, when you see them at the arenas where the mics are really loud around the court, he's talking a lot on defense. He's talking a lot. He's, just, he's had a great, he's had a really nice two-way season and better Better to me than any of the other guys who would be in contention for that spot. Turns 33 in July. Yeah, the only uh, Cousins and Draymond would be the other two. So let's talk about them because I had them. I have both those guys as locks. I have 10 locks and I think Draymond is one of the locks. Boogie, you know, is putting up the 25 and 13. I He's shooting a lot of threes. I don't necessarily know if that's a great thing. I, you know, I kind of like him closer to the basket. He's one of the few guys who can basically create a shot out of complete shit with three seconds left at a shot clock. My question is, turns 28 in August. One of the most intriguing free agents we've had in a while because he could go to the right team and be great. He could go to the wrong team and it's the biggest disaster that team's done in five years. I don't think New Orleans should trade him. But Rosillo had a tweet yesterday, our friend Ryan Rosillo. Well, I didn't see this. He had a tweet about, Cleveland's not trading that Brooklyn pick for DeAndre Jordan, these guys. Boogie is the guy they want if they're going to trade that pick. And that would be the one LeBron signed up for. Now, we have no idea what's going on with that Brooklyn pick. And if I'm running Cleveland, there's no way I'm trading it unless LeBron promises he's staying for at least two more years, right? Now, 
if they could get Boogie for that Brooklyn pick, which I guess the trade would be Thompson and the Brooklyn pick, maybe they'd have to take Ashik's contract back and throw Channing Fry's expiring, whatever else needs to happen. I just wouldn't do that if I was New Orleans. I wouldn't even discuss Boogie unless you're putting love in the Brooklyn pick on the say, table. What if, what if they put love in the That's Brooklyn. it. I'm like, you want Boogie? I'll discuss love in the Brooklyn pick. And we can we can negotiate that back and forth. But Thompson and the Brooklyn pick isn't happening. I'm sorry. And by the way, I, I don't know if I would do it. I, I If I'm New Orleans, I think I try to keep Boogie and I try to keep exploring this whole thing. And then if it doesn't work a year from now, you can just trade Boogie anyway. But the fear would be he might leave. So I don't know. It, it's 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 a conundrum, and I don't know what I do what I'm doing if I'm New Orleans, and I don't really trust the infrastructure they have to make a great decision, you know. But I will say this: people are talking about is Cleveland done? Are they finished? Oh my God! Oh, it's it's falling apart. If they were able to turn whatever into Boogie, that's now a different conversation. And putting him with LeBron, that's that's a little more scary if I'm the Warriors. Yeah, between LeBron, Wade, and Boogie, they would really have a lot of guys who don't get back on defense <laughs> diligently <true>. in the <laughs> in the regular season. Um, there's yeah. no there's no denying the talent, and Love Davis it, theoretically is a really nice fit. It, it, but the, it, and you know the hovering issue over all of this is that Davis has clearly made it known to them he does not want to play center, no matter what he says publicly, because they've gone yeah. out of they have 14 centers on the team, and. Love having now played center for a while, you know, on a lot of nights you could jig- rejigger the matchup so that he guards centers and Davis guards fours, but functionally on offense they switch roles. It, it, it wouldn't work. I, I don't know that that's ideal because you like Davis's rim protection near the rim uh, yeah. where it's where it's not. I mean, they have this issue now with Cousins there, um, but that, that's a, that's an interesting fit. But yeah, it, it, deals like this they just require so many things falling into place that I just, it seems too uh, complicated. Just in a vacuum, would you trade Boogie for love in the Brooklyn pick? The, let's say the Brooklyn pick the, is going to be between seven. Yeah, the Brooklyn pick, I would say, is going to be between seven and nine. Yeah, I would do that. I mean, I, I would want to have a conversation with Anthony Davis. I mean, that's the, that's the most important variable to me if I'm the Pelicans. Is like, is this going to irritate you to the point that you're going to ask for a trade? Do you like Kevin Love? Do you like Boogie? Where do we stand on all of this? But I think in a vacuum, Boogie's better than Kevin Love. Um, but Kevin Love is, for what he is, really good. And that pick is interesting. And, you know, Boogie is uh, is a, 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 an interesting personality that, you know, I don't know how completely I trust him to be part of my long-term core. I don't think either team would do it. I think the Cavs would be too scared to do it because they LeBron would never commit at this point. And then if I'm New Orleans, I don't know. Uh, Westbrook, we didn't talk about. We're going to take heat for not talking about Westbrook in the. No, he's a lock. I have. A, he's a lock, right? Well, I'm talking about as a starter. He does, He shouldn't be a starter. Okay, make the case. Uh, the other guys have been better than him. Um, by I mean he's he's 44 percent, 31 from three. 25, he's almost averaging a triple-double again. Amazing. Which is, which he's amazing. He's very close to a triple-double again. 25, 10, and 10, basically. 9.8, 9.9 on the other two categories. I, I just think, you <laughs> And know, by the way, I don't think he doesn't know exactly what those decimal points are. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> He think might Hard- try to get it done tonight. Harden has been a better offensive player, and the gap in defense is not big enough. You know, Westbrook has been overrated on that end for years and years and years, and uh, and Butler is a two-way guy. He's just been better. Just, just a better player. 
this year. My re- and, I, Cur- I, and Curry is, I mean, like if you want now, I didn't start Curry and probably won't when I when I write my column next week. But um, if, if if you wanted to, if a Thunder fan came to you and said, has he is Curry been that much better that playing fifteen fewer games or something doesn't factor into it at all? Like that's a fair, it's a fair question. It's totally fair. I agree with all your Westbrook points, and I would add, I think it's on him that that team's not better. And I know that's unfair to blame the best player when who's played played well and has and more importantly showed up for every game. And um, it's not like he's been bad, but that team's talented, and he was the one that kind of had to figure out how to make it work, and he didn't. And that's the only reason um, I didn't put him as a starter other than the stuff you mentioned. It's just I like th- you, you should be better than 23 and 20 or whatever they are when you have those guys on your team. Well, okay. So they're horrible whenever he doesn't play. So that that has to factor into any evaluation. Like when he's on the floor, they're really good. And when he's not, they stink. Even if Paul George is on the floor, I think the mellow only minutes are actually good, but it's a very small sample. And the mellow George, no Westbrook, but whatever. They're just bad when he doesn't play. And then you look at their team and you're like, everything we just said about the Pelicans, like how many NBA players are on this team? How many, how many, like how many guys that you trust in the fourth quarter of a, of a playoff caliber game? How, how many do they have? Well, their bench is Jeremy Grant, who's been fine. Patterson, who has not been right, although he's starting to look a little better. And, you know, you're... We said ter- this last year, and then it turned out all those guys were NBA players. Ferguson, Abrinas, Hustis, Felton, those are guys like 7 through 11. You trust any of those dudes? I like their crunch time. It's a team that when there's five minutes left with with the ability that they have to play defense and the scoring that they have should not lose close games and they have all year. And I don't understand that part of it here. I, I'm going to throw this at you with the Westbrook thing, because this is where I don't trust the on off court status as much. So we can agree that whoever they've put in as a backup for him the last couple of years has been a dramatic drop off. So that's one problem. The other problem is, and it's a little like this with LeBron too, where, when somebody's doing everything, it's almost like uh, we're both married and and you have young kids. I used to have young kids. Where at some point, the dad kind of, the, the mom's doing so much that all of a sudden when it's on us, we kind of don't know what to do. You almost have to go, oh shit, I have to make eggs? Uh, how do I, and you look around for stuff. That's kind of what, what happens with Westbrook when they're not in the game. He- he dominates and controls so much that I think they just have trouble trying to figure out who they are when he's not in the court. Now, I don't know. That's a combination of the bench isn't great, but also like that's when you have somebody who has that big of a shadow, I think it's tough to play without it. Like we saw that with Kobe and the Lakers and we've seen that with LeBron over the years. Uh, I was going like to say, I, I wrote this during the playoffs last year. I think if you talk to guys on the Cavs, about why is your team so bad when LeBron sits? And this was even when you know, Kyrie, uh, I yeah. mean, it was like Kyrie and Love were on the floor and they were still bad. I think the answer you would have gotten a lot of the time is because we have no offense. Our offense is LeBron deciding what we're going to do on every possession. Every single play. And then, and by the way, he's the best decision maker maybe in the history of the NBA. He should have that power. 
Um, but then you take him out and it's like, oh, we don't have like a structure. We don't have an identity. We don't have like we just sort of do stuff until somebody shoots. Well, look at like Isaiah had this interesting quote, I think last night about it's tough for him to get his shot going because the Cavs don't practice. Now, this is something I heard from, I did a podcast with Richard Jefferson last summer and he said the same thing. It's like, basically, we never practiced. And that's why we would look so sloppy from night to night. We could look good one night, terrible the other night, because basically the games were when we played. That's pretty rough when, you know, LeBron, it's a trade-off, right? Because LeBron is, as we talked about yesterday, he's playing so many minutes. And he's played so many minutes over the last 15 years and he's still playing at this crazy high level during games. But the trade-off is he's doing that partly because they don't practice at all. He doesn't want to waste any miles that aren't during an actual game. But think about the effect that has on a team. When you're just not practicing at all. When has that ever worked? Um, So I don't know. I, I think people seem to think it's the greatest thing ever to have LeBron as the best player on your team or Westbrook or Duran or any of these guys, but there's always some sort of something that maybe isn't as great as maybe we think. And I think for the Westbrook thing, the control and the, and the Kobe, the, the stuff you just said, I think that's a, that's a real thing. But to me, it's a lot about their bench. And, their bench uh, isn't great, but we said that last year. And then like, I don't know. Those guys went somewhere else, and all of a sudden, they they were better bench players than we gave them credit for well, last two, year. So two I don't of them know. were starters. Two of them were starters. Yeah, Oladipo and Sabonis were starters. I mean, their bench was like Samaje, Kristen, and you know. Well, blah, blah, blah. Kristen was probably what was he the worst guy who played ten minutes a game last year? Yep, probably. Uh, but we both have Russ as a lock, so who cares? Yeah, who we cares? both have him as a lock, and it, it sounds like we both have Draymond Green as a lock. Um, and he he was my he was those. Those two, Russ and Draymond, were my last of my eight absolute solid locks. And then I have a half a lock that I'm waving on as a lock a little bit. Who's that? Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, wow. Okay, that's going to be a fun discussion. Draymond, I, I went with four Warriors. We talked yesterday about pedigree, winning. Um, I think it matters. I think it matters that the Warriors are the signature team of the decade. I don't think they should be penalized. Draymond is the lifeblood. He's an unbelievable defender. The the one thing you can really criticize, well, there's two things you criticize him on. One is that I do think his emotions have hurt them a couple times this year. And if they don't get to 70 wins, that's probably the biggest reason because of some games when he's self-combusted. He's also not shooting that well, you know? And I don't know whether two years ago was an aberration. He, in the playoffs, his, his three-point shooting has been better, but... The last two years, he's basically been 31, 32%. And what's sad about that is mostly wide open shots, right? Nine out of 10 times, he's got nobody within three feet of him. And that's kind of their Achilles heel. And the one thing that I think teams look at, like, well, just let him shoot all day. We're, we can, we're giving him that. But as for me, he's still an all-star. Like you saw it Monday night, the, the all-around game he played in that is on the short list of things we're going to see by anybody this year. So, Yeah, I just, you know. I don't think he's been quite as good this year. Uh, I don't either. But eight rebounds, seven and a half assists, almost a block and a half, almost a steal and a half. I still think he's probably neck and neck with Kawhi as the best defensive player of the league when they're healthy. Like, you know, again, he's an all-star. Draymond Green's an all-star. I have Clay as a lock. Wow. Yeah. Here And 
partly because of the pedigree of the championship, all that stuff. I just love clay. I, I'll totally admit I'm irrational about it. I, you know, the fact that he can be as productive as he is, as not an afterthought, but pretty close offensively and that he still plays hard. He's fun to play with. When they need him to get hot, he will. I just like him. And I don't think there's anybody quite like him. This year, he's 49, 45, 90. 49, 45, 90 club, which um, is very close to that 50, 45, 90 club we talked about with uh, Steph. I, I I have no problem with Clay. Clay's on my, I have one, two, three, four, five, like seven or eight guys from my last three spots, and he's one of them. I just think for all-star purposes, he's he's fascinating to discuss because you're inevitably going to compare him to somebody like Damian Lillard who is the number one option on a mediocre team who has to do so much heavy lifting. And Clay just sorts to get to exist in this dream world where he has the ball fourth most. Yeah. And literally all, I mean, all he has to do is move around and set screens. And when the ball comes to him, he shoots it and it goes in and then he goes back on defense and he, and he's a, he's a good defensive player that obviously helps his cause. But like, I don't know. I don't know that it matters, but I also don't know how, how does he fare if he has to become Damian Lillard or, or Devin Booker or Lou Williams or someone who has to like run the show. I, I don't know the answer to that, but he doesn't have to, so maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'd I'd wanted four Warriors. It's fair. They're 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 a generational team. I think it matters. All right. The uh you had a eight and a half. You'll be happy to hear because we haven't really argued about anything yet. Uh, I do not have Towns on my all-star team. And I don't even have him as a bubble guy. I had my last two picks were Paul George and Lillard. And it was for me, Lillard versus Lou Williams. I did the game logs. I went through everything and Lillard has just been more consistent. But we should mention Lou Williams' last 13 games is averaging 31 a game. 48-46, 92 splits. They're 10-3 and in those games. He's 23 a game for the season. His stats are creeping closer and closer to where Lillard is. No, Percentages there, are better. There's almost no difference statistically between Lillard and Lou Will, except he shoots better. I think 20 games from now, if he keeps up this pace, he'll actually be having a better season. But he it, he didn't get it going in time. And, I th- and I'm with you that I think Lillard being the number one guy on a mediocre team. Here's here's why I so didn't have P, Towns. P, PG over Towns. You have Cousins, right? Cousins is a Cousins lock for you? Cousins is on, yeah. Okay. Cousins is not a lock for me. Oh, wow. Oh, man. He's going to block you on Twitter now. Have you already been blocked did. on Twitter? It's already oh, done. Oh, I, it's yeah, already my, done. I already got blocked like two years ago. Uh, okay. Make the case. Towns over Cousins. Um. feel like the Wolves should have two All-Stars. He's clearly their second best player. And I think... Probably since December 1st or Thanksgiving, thereabouts, something, maybe Joel Embiid's Instagram taunting, lit a fire under his ass where he's actually started to compete on defense consistently mm. every game. And, I, you know, he's 50-40-85, I think. So his shooting has been ridiculous. His passing, he had nine assists the other night. I just feel like he's he's trended consistently in the right direction now for six weeks. Whereas, look... I, I don't want to turn this into a Cousins thing because I, I may put Cousins on the team. I, I just don't think it's a no-brainer because of everything. You already said it. It's just like every game there are too many possessions where there are nine guys on the television screen and one guy 
who's not on the screen. And and then like and then like a lot of stuff happens and like someone yeah. takes a shot and there's an offensive rebound and like someone else takes a shot and there's still just nine guys on the screen. And I just I just know what that does to the morale of a team. And I do think he's played harder. Like I, against Portland the other night, I thought he played really hard. For, uh, last night, I thought he played hard on defense for most of the game. Other than the first six minutes of the third quarter, where immediately Kyrie hit a three where he didn't step up on a screen and he raised his hand and he took the blame for it. And then there were like three or four possessions where there were nine guys on the screen and Tatum hit a three on one of them after an offensive rebound and someone else hit a three. And it's not all because of DeMarcus. Some of it is because of Boston shot making, but like they're just, it's just, it's, there's just a lot of that. There's just, there's just a lot of that. And I, you know, so you're saying he's the MVP of your why are there only nine guys on my screen all-star team? Yeah. It's all I, fair. I, you know, and, and I don't like it's not clear to me when you when you watch them play and you look at their statistical resumes. I it's it, is he better than Nikola Jokic? If you were building a team, which one would you want? Who do you think is more fun to play with? Who do you think elevates his teammates more? Oh, Jokic. I think Cousins is, like in a situation like last night, playing my favorite team. I'm more scared of Cousins. Yeah. And and that's and that's the flip side is Jokic had 29 last night, I think. And you're like, where is this every game? Why are there halves where you take two shots? Like, can you can you get your ass into the paint and do stuff? I don't know. I don't know the answer. Like I said, I haven't made. I haven't made decisions. I think Towns has been better than both of them as a two-way player. And and, and by the way, Jokic, a minus on defense, but tries hard, is is rarely going to be the one guy not on the screen. Rebounds the hell out of it. He's neck and he's like a almost equivalent to Cousins as a rebounder. So I don't. You know, it's it's not an easy choice to me. It's it. I don't know. I had issues with Towns, and I think it's a little tainted by the Clipper game I went to where I saw him in person where he was putting up empty stats, and I didn't feel like he had a big impact in the game, and Butler was just mad at him the whole game. Just (laughs) mad at him. Just doesn't – you learn a lot when you go to these games, as you know, and I like to look at the bench during timeouts. I like to look at the 20 seconds after the timeout when everybody's kind of hanging around near the scorer's table, whether they're interacting or not. Uh, what happens during free throws. And I just did not like the chemistry in that team. And it didn't seem like they liked him. And it seemed like they were really just frustrated with him that he wasn't. And then he ended up getting his stats, which was the weird thing. And this is a, a Blake Griffin thing too, where Blake Griffin will get his stats. But when you're actually watching the game and you're there, you're thinking like like the Houston game the other night that I went to. He he got his stats, but I'm watching it going, man, he's he, Blake doesn't look good. Wow, he's below the rim. Wow, he's turning the ball over a lot. Man, they're guarding him with PJ Tucker. Oh. And but then he got his stats. So I Towns, I still feel like can go up a level. And maybe, maybe playing with Butler will be the best thing that ever happened to him. And you're right. He has been trying harder. And it does seem like like uh I don't know whether it's Tibbs, whether it's peer pressure from Butler or what, but something has changed with him. I need to see more of it. And that's why yeah. I left him off. So uh, again, like if you if so, I had Cat as half a lock, right? So if you just pretend that he's not a lock at all, I have eight locks. That means I have four open spots. Yeah, and and the the, the real candidates I would I would give for those four open spots are Cat, Cousins, Jokic, Clay, Lillard, Lou Williams, 
and Paul George. So that's seven guys for four spots. Yeah, it's tough. I, but I've texted those seven names to 50 coaches and front office guys in the last few days just to, just because I'm curious. Say rank these guys for all-star purposes. I guarantee you in the 50 replies, I've gotten every possible permutation of those seven in order. Like just no one knows. Like it's just like it's a, to- a complete matter of taste. Some people are totally out on Cousins. Some people are Cousins is number one. Uh, some people, the clay dame kind of dilemma that I brought up fall, they fall on both sides of it. And it's, it's just, it's, it's not really possible, but, um, a PG is an interesting one because the numbers aren't, aren't there like they are for some of the guys, but the defense has been just so outrageously good that I, I, I'm leaning toward he, he should be in. That's why I had him. I think the all defense team this year is pretty fun. You know, because I because there's no Kawhi this year, so that spot opens up. Yeah, who would you have as the who would you have as your all defense front court first team right now? Oof, on the spot. Yeah, because Paul George, I think, is on that list, and so I think th- Durant, th- th- I think Durant's th- th- on that list, and probably Draymond would be my three. A three man front court: Durant, Draymond, Paul George. Okay, so the names that are not there that are interesting to me are Giannis. Oh Davis, shit, I forgot about Giannis. Oh Davis. Giannis is on there too. Damn. So who gets Orford. who gets knocked out? Maybe Giannis gets in as a guard. Well, he should get in as just Giannis. That's what he should be on the ballot. <laughs> Giannis just has no position. Position Giannis. <laughs> um All right, so that's a great all defense team then. Giannis, Paul George, Draymond, Durant. And then whatever guard we want to throw in there. But I always like to think like the all defense team and you'll see some years if you go back to like the, especially like the nineties and you'll see those years where it's like, uh, you know, Hakeem with David Robinson. Um, but it would, it'll just be like just Michael Jordan, Pippen, Hakeem. And you just think like, Oh my God, imagine if those guys all played together, nobody would score. I do feel like we're kind of broaching that this year with some of the guys we have. Like if you put a team out of Durant, Giannis, Paul George, Draymond, and any guard who can Hel- shut pick, down no, a just, point guard. Just pick healthy. Pretend Kawhi's healthy. Just make Kawhi the fifth guy. Oh, my God. Well, I think we're going to have to pretend Kawhi's healthy for a while. What the hell's wrong with Kawhi? He played the other night and looked pretty good. So I'm I'm hopeful that um, they're in they're in Brooklyn tonight. So I'm going to be at that game. I'm hopeful that, uh, we, that we can actually see him play consistently for the next bit. Pretty good in game 48 is not what I'm looking for from one of the but, four best players in the league last right, year. But he's been hurt the whole year. I mean, pretty they care about him being great in May, and you know that's that's what they're going to. So do you're not there. concerned at all about that one? Oh, I'm concerned. But I, like I said, I just, I, I, I just want to keep, let let me get to a point where I've seen him play ten or fifteen times, and I hope we're at that point. And if we're, if it turns out we're not, then then I get very concerned. If Chris Paul had played eight more games, would you have him as a lock? Whew. Boy, the West is just a bloodbath every year. It really is. I would say it's as as bloody this year as it's ever been. Let me ask you. Let me maybe. I, I would say I would say maybe. But let me ask you a question. In your heart of hearts, do you believe in the Rockets? No. Yeah. Most people don't. Honestly, most people in the league don't. Partly what I watched the other night, any game, when you rely on threes to that ridiculous level that they do, it's just too easy for them not to go in one game. You know? Just They're just chucking them up. 
they're taking over 40 a game now. Makes me nervous. I, I, re- I really hope they're healthy in the playoffs because they should be the second best team in the NBA. I think they are the second best team. And I, I want to see how they react when they get punched in the mouth in the first round or the second round. Do they wilt? Do, I mean, like, they just... I, I said this on my pod last week, and I'm surprised the Rockets fans didn't yell at me. Like, they have a little bit of a front-runner vibe to them. Like, when things are going great and everyone's healthy, they're rolling, everything's good. Right. Then, like, then like Chris gets hurt, and all of a sudden, every crunch time possession is game five against the Spurs again, where it's step back three, step back three, step back three, no movement, no nothing. And then they just, like, they just got, they just, like, unravel sometimes, like, against the Clippers. I just, there's something, I, I want to, they, they are, to me, the second-best team in the league. And at the same time, I am very eager to see them one-one in the first round against the Pelicans or something. It's just, you know what? How do you respond? Well, Daryl's counter argument to that would be when they had both of those guys together on the floor, they were eviscerating teams. That's right. That's, but that's what I mean. I, I agree. They were. I went down there and I wrote a whole big thing was, about how it was awesome. for three weeks. And, and and so you have a a big big adversity, not little adversity. Harden being hurt is big adversity. Chris being hurt is big adversity. But it's adversity. Like how, like the Spurs respond very well to adversity. The Rockets don't appear to. So you're going to get adversity in the playoffs somewhere, whether it's an injury or someone on another team playing way above his head or some yeah. bad calls or whatever. Like I like I'm just I'm curious. I think the one thing I noticed with them, like they're doing a lot of switching on uh, on Lou Williams on Monday night. It's not like, oh, Lou Williams is hot. Let's shut him down, throw somebody on him. That's not really what they do defensively. It does seem like the Lou Williams type is somebody that they don't really have anyone on their roster who can really shut down somebody like that. Hmm. Who is it? Is it like they were putting Trevor Reese on Lou Williams and the Clippers were just running little switches to get him to get whoever they wanted to actually guard Lou Williams. I don't know. I think those type of guys can really hurt them in a playoff series. But I have a better Houston question for you. Okay. Do you like watching this Rockets team? When they're healthy, yes, I do. And actually, ultimately, I do. I've enjoyed watching Chris this year, even when James is not playing, because I feel like he's playing in more space and playing a little faster and getting a little meaner, maybe, when he gets switches on him, uh, when he gets big men switched onto him. Uh, But I get what you mean when it's just one of them, like even with even with CP, if it's just him, a lot of their offenses pick and roll, switch, dribble for eight seconds, mid check up a three, or, 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 or a throw three. it to somebody yeah. who checks up a three. I think the combo of how they play, which I'm just like semi bored by at this point, it'll get more fun in the playoffs when those guys are together. And then they they have a top three worst home crowd. Shout wow. out to Houston. Wow. God bless you guys. Really? Why? I don't like the energy at all. I don't, I don't think the crowd affects the game at all. They seem bored. I need more from the oh. Houston crowd. If you're going to have the second best team in the league, step it up, Houston. Come on. I know you have it in you. You had great crowds there in the game era. We, you're, have you watched a Rockets home game and thought, wow, the crowd's really winning this game for them? Never. It's never happened. Not since the Hakeem era. The Hakeem era, they had great crowds. Okay. I want to see great Houston crowds again. I have one really goofy thing to throw at you before we go. Okay. So 1988, I noticed oh like guys were turning 30 this year. Okay. I was like, wow. Oh, Curry's turning 30 this year. Interesting. And I was like, oh, Durant's turning 30. So I, I looked up some birthdays. 1987, 
the year before 1988. I like the- that you had to clarify that. Here were the four best players born in 1987. Ready? Mike okay. Conley, OJ Mayo, Ty Lawson, and Andrew Bynum. I'm going to take your word for it. I haven't yeah, done yeah, the no, research. Yeah, no, take on, my on, word for this. Yeah, you. Okay. there's no way. I know you're Spock, but there's no way you research this. 1988, one year later, Curry, Durant, Westbrook, Kevin Love, Derek Rose, Eric Gordon, DeAndre Jordan, Nick Batum, and shout out to Greg Oden, who should have made it. And I think 10 years, if he comes along 10 years later with what we know about bodies now compared to 10 years ago, I think he makes it. 1989, James Harden, Blake Griffin, DeMar DeRozan, Jimmy Butler, Isaiah Thomas, Serge Ibaka, Tyreek Evans, Michael Beasley. 1990, Paul George, Boogie Cousins, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, John Wall, Draymond Green, Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, Drew Holiday, Ricky Rubio. So three straight years basically built the talent pool for, it's probably the biggest reason why the NBA is so awesome right now. Those three years, it was just like a, a freaking boon. And then you go to 91, it's Kawhi McCollum, Chris Middleton, Tristan Thompson, Derek Favors, we're done. So it's this three-year boom of just awesome talent for no reason at all. I would be interested Chew on to hear, that. I would be interested to hear who's 86. It's bad. The years before, it was all like that 87 year where it's like four guys, five guys. So some of it is the natural age. Are, are there good guys that have aged out or in, gotten themselves I don't know. injured it's, out? It's like a cluster theory. So you're telling me that 198, there's only one guy left in the league that was born in 1987 or first round draft One relevant, we, awesome one guy. Relevant. Yeah. Mike Conley is the only kind of impact guy left from the 87 year. How weird is that? Those guys are only 31. But that's yeah, well, the thing. It's like these clusters go, and this has kind of determined the history of the NBA where you had like the cocaine era just wipes out all these dudes. And then you have like that Kenny Anderson era of of everybody just made too much money too soon. And we lost a whole bunch of guys from that era. And this was kind of the first era that everybody had good advantages. Nobody did anything dumb. People just worked hard. And we had this cluster that made the league. And now what's interesting about the 88 birthdays is 30, unless you're LeBron, that's usually where you should have peaked by then as a player. The 27 to 30 range, you kind of are who you are at that point. So I think like Curry, Durant, Westbrook, I don't know how they get better than what we've seen. I I, I would say they've hit their apex. Um. So we'll see. Now it's the next generation. And I'm sure like the the Giannis, whatever his birthday year was, I'm sure there's guys from that. Just seems like the talent pool is constantly replenished now. And then you see this college class we have coming where Dockage, you know, I don't I know you don't care about college and the Euros and all that, but Dockage might Daryl said there's no comp to him as 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 like with how measuring like Euro guys. Mm-hmm. He's demolished every sort of anything that any under twenty guy has done in Euro for no, from I, a cop I, standpoint. I've seen him play a little bit internationally in some of the international <clears throat> competitions for Slovenia, so I'm I'm very excited for him. He's six um, eight. He has all he has all the makings of being your favorite player of all time. Well, that's a bold statement. Yeah, he's Croatian, right? Slovenian. Where do we stand on the Slovenians? Well, I'm I'm a pan Yugoslav pan Yugoslavian. I have all the Yugoslavian countries. I've been to almost all of them. Spent considerable time in almost all. Of them. My wife is half Serb, half Croat. So I'm I'm you know I'm I like to 
I have love for the whole region. Okay. We can we can we spend? Can I get your two minute take on one thing before we go? Yeah, I feel like we can't do this without. I, I can't do this without hearing how you feel about the Paul Pierce Isaiah Thomas tribute thing, which we made fun of yesterday, but now in the interim, it has been sort of finalized. I do just, you just not care. I think it's it's a little dishonest of the Celts to run the tribute video after they completely shanked Isaiah. I think they should have just let the crowd cheer for him and move on. Wow. It's a, it was a shanking. Is it, can you describe it any other way? The guy was hurt, played, kept playing, um, kept playing, made everything worse, kept playing, played through it, jeopardized a nine-figure contract, and then they shanked him. And they did it for, because it was what you have to do if you're a team. You can't have the loyalty over I'm I'm not criticizing the mindset behind it, but they shanked him and he was a great Celtic and and the fans loved him. And the moment that they could turn him into a better player, they did. I think to run a tribute video and pretend that didn't happen is weird. Breaking news, by the way, Derek Rose is a go for tomorrow. Change, <laughs> oh, no. your, change your Cavs expectations accordingly. Uh, by the way, I, I, the, the only thing I, I care about the video, tri- I don't care about the video tributes. I think it's crazy what a story it's become. I will say this. I admire... I admire Pierce for being honest yeah. about um, I kind of want my night. I kind of want my night because he he risks coming off as petty and insecure and, and people are making fun of him for that, I'm sure. And, but we, we, we want, it, it's like we want the, ath- we want our athletes to be like these superhuman, invulnerable uh, specimens. And, and, but at the same time, we want them to be honest and, and, and vulnerable, I guess, when they give interviews and stuff. But, yeah. And then we hit them when they're honest and they say something we don't like. I like that he's like, he's kind of putting it out there. Like, I, you know, you might think that I'm being petty or insecure. Maybe he doesn't think anyone will interpret it that way, but I like that he's at least, he's not pretending that he's above it and, and that he doesn't care. He's revealing that he cares. And sometimes like people think caring is not cool. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but he cares and he's okay kind of being out there. I kind of like that. Yeah. And, it, it goes both ways, right? Like when somebody like him or like Durant in the podcast I did with him last year and he's super honest about stuff and then he gets criticized. But then you have the flip side of it, which is LeBron, who has done a masterful job of just not saying much and presenting a certain angle of himself. But I don't feel like we've had, I, I don't feel like I know LeBron that well. I don't really know what makes him tick. Like he's he's done a great job of being accessible but guarded at the same time and usually doesn't get into trouble he's again he's masterful at it but would i would basketball be more fun if he was a little more honest yeah i don't know i we seem to go back and forth on whether we want these guys to spill themselves or not i do and i think when 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 guys say things like like you know, I I think it was Tracy McGrady once gave an interview about, you know, just about how all the injuries had made him scared of getting hurt. Yeah. And and people gave him gave him crap for that because, you know, again, we want everyone to be a superhero. Like, I think it's cool when athletes share stuff like they're human beings. Like I, I've said that I wrote this before, like when I like when Pedro Martinez had his little meltdown and and like beaned Kareem Garcia yeah. and and just like decided like I give up. The Yankees are completely in my head and I'm going to show everybody that they're in my head. I, that made me like him more. Like there was a very human response to uh, a plight. A, a, you know, I, I just, I, it made me like him more that he was kind of a baby. 
Where do you stand on Embiid and some of the theatrics he's had this year? I'm I'm pro because he knows that a lot of people are going to hate it and people are going to come after him and he's going to have to back it up. And he's fine with that. He knows that there are consequences. He seems to know that there are consequences. Yeah. And he, he doesn't think that he should just be able to do it and there should be no consequences. So I'm okay with it. Over under for career games for Markel Fultz. Oh, my God. <laughs> what would you guess? What What is the line? I'm saying you you come up with the line. <laughs> if the line were 200, I would take the over. I guess. I, I, I mean, so that's 200 is three full seasons, you know, essentially three full seasons. Do you think this is the most bizarre story of this century in the NBA? Because I'm still going with Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenden. <laughs> I think this is more bizarre. Bizarre. I think it's more bizarre. Is it more dramatic? I don't know, but it's more bizarre. It's the, Definitely it's the like most- with people around the league. It's definitely the one that is being discussed behind closed doors with the most confusion, right? I, I can't think of anything that's more bizarre. I'm looking at the standings right now to make me to if see if just the name of a team triggers something in my head. I shouldn't have said the word trigger since we're just talking about Gilbert Arenas, but um I just <laughs> I I don't nothing is coming to mind. Nothing. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. This guy know. was like the the one guy that everybody thought was a lock in the lot in the NBA draft last year, and we have not seen him yet. And his shot now takes three seconds to unfurl. And the one time um, there was actually public news about it, other than what Brett Brown says every day, which Brett Brown increasingly becoming unhinged about the entire subject matter is just making it even more bizarre slash entertaining. Yeah, uh, there yeah, was just it. It just turned into a he said, they said, he said. The agent says this, the trainer says this, Colangelo says this, the coach says this. To the point that there were entire articles that were just like. Let me explain what everyone said and when, because the situation is just too confusing for anybody to keep track of. And that's just the public part of it. It's, it's. I would say the way, if I was advising him, if he called me randomly out of the blue today and said, what should, can you help me? The one thing I would do is I would, I would have, uh, I would surround myself with better people. I thought the way that his agent handled that whole thing was insane. Just didn't get it. And to, to not be aligned with the team and having two different stories and, Everything was just was so confusing. It, it what's really kind of flat out perplexing is how the is this now the fourth number one pick the Sixers have had that didn't play as a rookie. Counting Sarge, we're we're gonna go down a real dark black hole if we start going no, into six, Sixers draft history. No. But yeah, no, sure, it's Noel, just, Noel it's and what are the odds Sarge? of that? Noel, yeah, it's so it's fifth. Noel and Noel, Sarge, the fifth one. Simmons. Yeah. What are the odds of that? Well, when you when you purposely take guys who are injured and you don't know they won't play, then the odds when <laughs> it's part well, of Simmons, it's part of your strategy. Simmons they, got injured. They yeah, didn't no, know that but, one. No, they but, had no know. idea Fultz was going to happen. No, they did not. Um, do you like doing TV more? Are you more comfortable? Yeah, TV's fun. I like TV. Remember, I had to put a gun to your head and and put actual bullets in it and do and flip the thing to try to get you to come on once. And it was fun. Yeah, you overthought it. You were good at it, though. You like it now. TV is fun. I like TV. I just, you know, it's just it. I have to go to Los Angeles for it, which is a long way away. But um, it's it's uh, for some of it anyway. It's I don't like how you've kind of replaced me with Rachel Nichols. Wow, that's a I strong, just got. That's I feel like st- I'm like the first wife 
Now Rachel Nichols <laughs> is like the second wife. I don't, I don't see her much. So there's and no. And I'm like, we still get along great and we still have the kids and then custody and joint custody and all that. And it's awesome. And we have no hard feelings or anything, but, but yet I see what you have with your second wife and, and it hurts. <laughs> it hurts sometimes. Hey, there's only, there's only one Grantland. The last time I was in, well, I went to the Grantland uh, 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 podcast event in October on the first big day of the regular season. Oh, yeah, I still yeah, made yeah. time for that. That was nice. We're all, we're, all, we're going to hopefully all get together in Los Angeles for the All-Star game. Hopefully at that, if that happens, um, you will bring a Grantland hoodie for me, which I still don't have. Well, um, you never got one. So I, you know, I just go in the attic and try to find one. Um I'm way low on Grantland merchandise. So there's all, you know, there's only one. When Shay, when Shay, Shay Serrano came to New York to do his book event, yeah. one of his many, I'm sure he had multiple books. Future events, president was, Shay Serrano. Yeah, there was one, there was one event where it was a panel of me, him, Rembert, and Network. Wow. And uh, the the panel was just all questions from the crowd. And, and, and someone asked me about Grantland. And I said, you know, actually all these years late, not that long ago, but the, the first, the, when, when someone is unfortunate enough to recognize me and know who I am in public and approach me, the number one question is, was Grantland as great as it seemed? And the number two question is, are you still friends with Bill? Those are the two ah, questions I get more than anything else. That's nice. Not does my, do you hate my team or how the Knicks, those are the two. So anyway. Well, about eight years from now when President Shea Serrano <laughs> is negotiating a deal with South Korea, um, we'll know. You know, it'll be like, oh yeah, they, they, we first knew about him with Grantland, and that's how Grantland will be. That's remembered. your one shot to become the secretary of sports or whatever the, the common czar. sense say. The czar, yeah, sports the czar. Whatever, there it is. That's your one shot right there. You found you found the guy that you need to ride into that position. I'll tell you the one thing I'm doing with the NBA. We're we're going down to 75 games like immediately. Okay, immediately. I don't think you'd get a, well. You'd get some pushback. On 75 that games, and we're doing the entertaining and sell tournament, and we're off. Everybody oh. can thank me later. Like Zach Lowe, what do you do? You have a column. You're doing your ten things. I think uh, and didn't I like and didn't like What's on Friday. On Friday, okay. And uh, then I will do my All Star selections on Tuesday when the uh, reserves are announced. That morning, I'll put mine out, and uh, and then we got some some other things in the hopper, uh, and then All Star and trade deadline. All right, subscribe to the Low Post podcast on uh, Apple or wherever you get your uh, your podcast, ESPN Pod Center, all that places. Zach Lowe, this was a pleasure as always. Talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks to ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Gillette. Get Gillette performance delivered to your door. No more getting mad at yourself because you just got back from the grocery store and realized you forgot to buy blades. Subscribe today. Pick your favorite razor. Get every fourth order free. Visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com. Another good podcast coming Friday that includes Mike Francesa and some other stuff too. And don't forget about my column on TheRinger.com every Friday. Back soon. Thanks. Thanks.